passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to your post-daily news show for Friday, May the 27th. I am John Pollock. He is waiting. We are going into the weekend, a packed weekend in professional wrestling, leading into double or nothing on Sunday night. Are you prepared, Way? I'm prepared. I'm ready. I'm excited. It's a big weekend. Absolutely. Um, and it's also the Monaco Grand Prix as well, so I'm very excited for that. I got a very full Sunday. That's right. Do you have any who, – who's your favorite to win on Sunday? So they just did uh, some free practicing, and uh, Charles Leclerc did have the best time. But, I mean, it's practice, so I don't know how much that necessarily means. Um, I I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still betting on Max. All right. How about this? Uh, over or under for Lewis Hamilton, sixth place. Will he, will he achieve place? higher or lower than sixth place? Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to say uh, uh, higher. I'm going to say higher. Higher. Okay. So it could be a, a very good weekend for Lewis Hamilton. The The rebound, the rebuild has begun for Mercedes after last week. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's a very interesting race. I mean, you know, for new fans, I mean, it's very much, uh, I, I would say maybe in terms of prestige, like maybe on the level of like a Madison Square Garden, you know, this race. So yeah, I, I'm very excited. Yes. So that's happening Sunday, Sunday morning, 9 a.m., I believe. Yeah, our time. Yeah. Yes. Yes, our time. All right. We have uh, plenty of news to get into. Uh, if you want to uh, check out all of the latest news happening, postwrestling.com, your go-to spot. And tonight we will be live at 10 Eastern for postwrestlingcafe.com members with Rewind, a SmackDown. Way and I will be sharing our thoughts on SmackDown and Rampage. Uh, I will be going one-on-one with uh, Time to try and tackle a 6.30 p.m. Rampage. This is our first 6.30 p.m. Eastern start time for Rampage, correct? We've done 7. We've done 5.30. I don't think we've had 6.30 before. We're going to see how this one works. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we've had that yet. I'm trying to pull it off. I I, I think I think if, if, if the world's in alignment, this will not uh, m- m- mess up, but we will find out. Uh, but let's get into it. The uh, interesting note is WWE has taken money in the bank and apparently it was not money in the bank that they would be holding an event at Allegiant Stadium on July the 2nd. Instead, they have moved it to the smaller MGM Grand Garden Arena. And what a massive move this is when they are refunding all the tickets and putting them all back on sale next week with those that had previously purchased tickets getting access to a presale. Of course, to do such a presale. You require a password that is probably going to spread beyond people who had tickets to the Allegiant Stadium show. And on five weeks notice, um, they are 
pretty much like scrapping the Allegiant Stadium card and starting from scratch, putting tickets on sale. And on top of that, Way showed the original artwork and promotional material for Money in the Bank, a stark difference to the updated one. On the original, you see Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, uh, Charlotte Flair, even Bobby Lashley and Becky Lynch, uh, none of which are reflected on the new promotional material. Sasha Banks, let's not forget as well in the back. Yes, right yes. Sasha Banks, stunningly, yes, not in the new poster either. So, yes, she is off. Um and I mean, I would not say that means 100% those names are not going to be in some form or fashion on this show. It could be just a st- up in the air, but I think very notable when you're taking several of your major stars and they are not featured here on the new promotional material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the very least, maybe a, a TBA as far as, you know, some of those those names. Um Certainly an interesting move. You know, of course, we've already had the promotion for this uh, event with Cody walking around Allegiant Stadium talking about oh, how big of a they deal They got to scrap the commercial. Yeah. It's not like you can just do a, a dub, dubbed version to say the – like he's literally inside of the stadium. Like you have to scrap that whole commercial. I mean much it's probably of not an inexpensive day of uh, production shooting that. That is right. Yeah, much of the draw was the fact that this was going to be in a stadium, one of several stadium shows as part of Nick Khan's new strategy or at least, you know, uh, a desire of wanting to do more stadium shows this year. So a move like this coming this late into the game, uh, unfortunate for all the people who are already planned their weekends and already maybe, you know, some people maybe got front row seats and all of a sudden now have to give those up and have to line up in queue again to try to try to buy these tickets again. Which Just is probably a- not an insignificant amount when you're talking about travelers way. This was promoted around. This is Fourth of July weekend, we're going to have so many people in Las Vegas. That was the whole strategy of running this weekend. And after, I would say, a very successful SummerSlam last year at Allegiant Stadium that I, I am sure five weeks out, oh, sorry, we are now going to move this over. Of course, everyone is looking at the the ticket performance for the Allegiant Stadium show. And uh, WrestleTix had put out that, you know, by their estimate, the latest, you know, setup was for around 24,000 or so with uh, just under 18,000 tickets out. Now, when we say tickets out, that does not mean tickets sold. That means tickets that have also been uh, comped and distributed, like all means of tickets that are out in the market. So the actual paid amount, um, you know, you, you would certainly imagine that it's at least over the capacity of MGM because they are putting all these tickets back on sale. It's not like we're just comping it one for one that, hey, if you had enough tickets sold at Allegiant Stadium that fit into the MGM Grand setup, you wouldn't have to go through this whole thing uh, and this process. It's to me, this would be a last resort of just understanding that um, there was a major issue with running this stadium and how we feel we would perform in it because this is a giant, giant uh, amount of strain on your fan base. Absolutely, yeah. Um, how much do you think that they would have done, you know, at this rate, um, if they kept it in the stadium? Like, is it so such a far number from making that place look full enough for television that they would go as far as to do this right now? Is this is this really the answer that that we're looking for about why they're choosing to do this? I mean, obviously, you you have to look at that as like that, like the optics of running it, like the setup being twenty four, twenty five thousand. Like Allegiant Stadium can hold a lot more than that. It's a big stadium. It's a football stadium. So it's not as though twenty five thousand would like that's just what they were hoping uh, to to try and get. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess they could have figured like we could have just totally flooded the market and, and papered it to uh, make it look presentable. But I think that comes with. Um, 
a lot of negativity too, especially if you want you want to come back and like obviously the the decision was made that this was not a a tenable solution and it's just easier to go to a, a smaller venue. And, and do you believe that you know some this has to do with maybe the name value of a Money in the Bank versus a SummerSlam? Is it the fact that we don't exactly know what the card is yet at the moment? Uh, is there an explanation for why these ticket sales might be a bit softer? I guess you have to look at all of those factors. You don't have a match to promote. Um, obviously, Money in the Bank did not, uh, on, a, on a grand scale, feel like a big stadium event like SummerSlam did last summer. And you also had that was the immediate return to live events. So you probably had a, a, a hungry fan base that was excited to go to wrestling that probably it's much more in the norm now to be able to attend live events. Uh, do you... Do you put any of this on the fact that they are running the same night as the UFC? I didn't see that as being a big issue, being the, the, the same night. It's not like um, – to me, it's it's not a Conor McGregor card that I think would, would siphon off more of your wrestling audience that is in Las Vegas for that weekend. Uh, but all of those are, are factors. And just for comparison purposes, uh, the MGM Grand Garden Arena, when AEW sold it out, they put about 12,000 people into that arena. So that's with a comparable wrestling setup, depending on the different production uh, setup for WWE. But that's kind of the number you're probably shooting for at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. So a major downscale from Allegiant Stadium. And we don't know anything as yet about maybe average ticket price in an MGM Grand versus Allegiant Stadium? I have not seen any ticket prices yet. Um, for for what they've restructured, I I have seen just the dates. Like next week, they're doing the the presale for all the people that had bought tickets previously is Wednesday, and then there's a bunch of presales on the Thursday, and the public on sale is Friday. So, I mean, in theory, if you have spent your money to plan a trip for this event, I think you would be. Uh, may, maybe not, but I would say begrudgingly, you're probably getting back in line and trying to get tickets to this event because that was the center of your destination. And hopefully you're checking your email because if you happen to be one of those people or if this somehow went to your spam folder, you think you have tickets to the show and you end up not having it. That would kind of suck. Yeah. And as well, like it will be very interesting to see what the lineup is on this show. Like what are what is the talent situation for this now arena based event instead of a stadium level one and and if this gives any pause for WWE when it comes to their their stadium plans which seem to be growing and you know it's not a case of like selling out is not the determining factor of a success but can we sell enough tickets that it number one is a profitable venture for us and number two that we are happy with um the optics of how it looks like if like if you can make money off of 20,000 people in a 60,000 seat stadium great but is there also the perception of, you know, a a third or even half of a stadium empty that that we're running at that this makes more sense inside a, of an arena where, you know, I'm fairly confident they will put 12,000 in for money in the bank at MGM mm-hmm. across the street from UFC that night at T-Mobile Arena. That is correct. Yeah. Short yeah. walk away. So they couldn't go to T-Mobile with with UFC booked that night. So mm-hmm. um, you will have uh, competing events uh, across the street from each other. I mean, I say short walk, but really like what looks close in Vegas is actually a whole city block. So it'd probably take you a good 15 minutes to walk from a building to another. But yes, if, you, if you're ever covering an event at, um, at at one of the arenas, always book your hotel at the same side. Don't don't book it across the street because it's it's a it's a lot to have to navigate every day especially back in that forth. heat at that time in july with camera equipment oh awful yes 
Uh, so that's that's the latest on Money in the Bank, and we shall see if, uh, namely, if Roman Reigns is on that show. Like they have started this program with Riddle, that would be the obvious destination for it, and we will see based off television where they move forward with that. Next up is the latest involving Kota Ibushi and New Japan officials uh, Takaki Kadani, uh, the founder and president of Bushi Road, and New Japan president Takami Obari uh, spoke to the media on Friday, uh, holding a press conference, and I'm just going to read the English translation that New Japan has placed on its website, Um, and this is uh, Obari uh, commenting to the, the media and public that was in attendance. He says, Today, on behalf of New Japan Pro Wrestling, I would like to address recent claims made by Kota Ibushi. Starting on May the 10th, Kota Ibushi began releasing statements critical of certain members of New Japan staff on Twitter. Firstly, I would like to deeply apologize for the concern these comments caused amongst fans and personnel. The statements posted on Twitter included screenshots of a text conversation with a member of staff who they do not identify as Kikuchi, but just refer to him as official, that included a threat that Ibushi's contract would be terminated. On investigation, we ascertained from the individual concerned that these screenshots were indeed genuine. I would like to take a moment to explain the series of events that led up to the aforementioned post to the extent of our current understanding. Kota Ibushi is a wrestler exclusively contracted to New Japan Pro Wrestling. As such, it is understood that in order to devote full attention to New Japan matches and associated events, he is required to inform and receive express permission from New Japan before outside appearances. On March 4th, in breach of the terms of his contract, Mr. Ibushi made an appearance seconding wrestlers at a Just Tap Out event. The aforementioned official is responsible for contacting various wrestlers contracted to New Japan, but also has a long personal history with Mr. Ibushi, That extends far before him becoming an exclusive contracted talent. The official contacted Mr. Ibushi in the belief that Mr. Ibushi's actions in breach of his contract were taken deliberately to persuade New Japan to terminate its agreement with him. Perceiving this as a betrayal of personal trust established over a number of years, his messages were sent in an emotional state as a result. When I myself learned of Mr. Ibushi's appearance. uh, By the way, are you getting used to this Mr. Ibushi uh, title? (laughs) Um. I, I, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, it's it maybe a new gimmick for him, Mr. Ibushi. He says that um, this being Obari, I requested a full status report from the official. Therefore, it's possible that the official's contact with Mr. Ibushi also involved the desire to find out the exact particulars of the situation to relay to myself. Um, I'm just going to uh, skim down here. In a brief meeting with Mr. Ibushi, we chatted while we conducted some light exercise as we moved on the mat, participated in some uh, jump training. I was amazed at his superhuman physical abilities, yet Ibushi confided that he found recovery from his 2021 shoulder injury was taking longer than he had expected and that his range of motion was far from ideal. After our conversation, Mr. Ibushi took me by car to a restaurant where we continued our conversation. And uh, he continued to speak there and... He says, uh, just skimming to uh, the end part here. Several weeks later, on May 10th, screenshots of the conversation on the line service were made public. These were the messages between Ibushi and Kikuchi. I have since learned that those tweets were made when Mr. Ibushi was acting in a state of concern for her for his mother, with mental distress being caused by this situation. Mr. Ibushi told me that after discussing the details of his situation with his mother on May the 10th, uh, May 8th, she attempted suicide on May 9th and suffered a broken bone in her back as a result. 
After the series of Mr. Bushi's tweets were posted, a meeting was held on May 10th, including our company's legal staff, in order to understand the particulars of the situation and to determine the best possible course of action for both New Japan and Mr. Bushi. We determined that said best course of action would be to directly meet with Mr. Bushi to formally apologize and hear one another's opinions before making a public announcement should one be deemed necessary. Mr. Ibushi's actions in attending an outside event without proper procedure, as well as publicly disclosing internal affairs, were actions in breach of his contract, and after consideration of the particulars I previously mentioned, an appropriate penalty for Mr. Ibushi will be determined. However, the words of the official in his text conversation, this referring to Kikuchi, were inexcusable, especially in their direction to a wrestler who risks his life in order to fulfill his role as a professional. It is this mindset that directly led to Mr. Ibushi posting his critical tweets about the company. For the thoughtless content of these messages, we fully and unreservedly apologize to Mr. Ibushi. Despite the official's lengthy relationship with Mr. Ibushi, the lack of consideration shown to him and by extension our wrestlers at large should also be met with an appropriate penalty. They did open this up to members of the media to ask questions, and one was asked about uh, further details on what these penalties would be. And it was suggested that Abushi would see a reduction in his salary, while the official, uh, they have not made any determining action towards Kikuchi, uh, but intimated that he could be moved to another division um, as a result of this, that both would be penalized. Uh, but the takeaway being that they are not ceasing ties with Kota Bushi and instead very much trying to uh, mend fences with him over this. Um, but also absent this press conference was Kota Bushi not being represented here. No, although it seemed to be, you know, put forward by, uh, by the, the two holding the press conference said, I mean, much of the words that were being said in the press conference were in uh, coordination with Kodo Ibushi, uh, after a meeting yes. that the two of them had. So you would figure that, you know, what was uh, directed to the, the public was accurate and, and in line with Kodo, what Kodo Ibushi had to say. But of course, um, even this was not met without immediate, immediate drama because shortly afterwards, Kodo Ibushi did tweet uh, in Japanese here. So, and again, uh, we're relying on translations for a lot of this, but something basically to the effect of him being upset that the specific reasons for why he went on his sort of a public, um, I guess, uh, outbursts uh, were not addressed. And that being the uh, attempted suicide of his mother and and that getting him into uh uh, I guess a very, you know, emotional state. And I don't know if that translation, uh, had the updated language, uh, embedded within it as part of the press conference, but th- it was something that was later, uh, uh, amended, uh, on the New Japan website, uh, yes. itself. So still some friction, you know, evidently between the two sides, but I would say from at least a PR perspective, I don't know if New Japan, um, you know, I think they did a very good job, at least, you know, in trying to give, give convey to the audience that they're here to mend fences. They're not reacting aggressively one 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 way or another. They're not, you know, um, talking shit about Kodo Ibushi uh, to, to their audience, for instance. They are they seem to be very sympathetic and, and apologetic. You know, you see the number of bows that they did you know, at this press conference. I mean, they they were very apologetic, not just to the audience, but it also seems like for Kikuchi words towards Kodo Ibushi as well. So some mending offenses at least appears to be, you know, in order or at least uh, attempted here from both sides. Yeah, I, I think that this was certainly um, a, a level of 
um, addressing the matter, though I will not say that they 100% um, addressed everything, like why Kotobushi was advertised for the New Japan Cup, um, other, you know, allegations that had been out there. Um, but I will say it, it did feel that this was not something of uh, trying to sweep something under the rug and just move on quietly. Um, so I, I think that part is, is to be acknowledged. But, you know, just based on that immediate response from Kotobushi, I, I, I do sense, and this was even intimated during the press conference that, you know, there, everything is not perfect you know, on these sides. Like there is ongoing issues and that follow-up tweet seemed to reflect that. Yeah, that's right. You know, so we'll see if there's some follow-up. I mean, it seems like much of the issue, um, at least from New Japan's side of things, is just the the appearance at, at, at the Just Tap Out show and somehow that being breach of their contract. Um, obviously, what Kota Ibushi has said indicates that there's a lot more issue with New Japan itself. Um, <laughs> I'm very interested to know if we get any follow-up about some of that, um, some of the things that he's threatened to reveal. Uh, or if this just kind of, you know, from New Japan side of things, is their attempt at making sure that all, all of that is, is, is done with? Um, I think. And how yeah. he feels about his pay being cut if he feels he is justified in everything that, that he has, uh, come forward with. Yeah. Yeah. We know the man is very outspoken and he's clearly not afraid to maybe speak his mind on, on the internet, um, if, if there's something that he's not happy with. But I think first and foremost, as was mentioned, you know, in this press conference, I mean, you know, the man has a mother who, I mean, the whole family, his whole family has been going through a whole lot. So, and, and that to me is his first priority right now is to make sure that his mother's okay. Yes. I think that's, uh, you know, the biggest part of, of this story that, uh, continues to develop. Uh, we'll move on to AEW with a, a couple of notes, starting off with Dynamite on Wednesday night going against the NBA. So they did 929,000 viewers, a .35 in the 18 to 49 demo on TBS. And uh, they were against both the NBA and the NHL. The uh, the Heat Celtics game did over 6.4 million viewers and a 2.25 in 18 to 49, uh, finishing first on uh, among everything on television. The NHL was third uh, with AEW finishing sixth among cable originals uh, up from last week's number and i would say that they have been competing very well uh, especially for the the wednesday night shows um that have not been impacted by moving of networks or moving of time slots i mean that is that has been one positive way of this move to tbs is that they have not been impacted for their main show uh, as we compare it to rampage each week i think you know they've proven time and time again they have this core audience that follows their show no matter where it goes what time slot it goes to i mean rampage on a friday moving back and forth from 5 30 to 10 to 11 to 7 whatever that might be a bit a bit of a different story but if you're consistent enough on a channel where you know people can expect to to see the wrestling product they will follow um so uh, yeah it's it's been a positive move so far i expect one of these fridays we'll be going head to head with rampage at this time at 1 p.m. Eastern? Possible. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, I feel there's a very good number competing that well against the, the NBA. And they will be up against uh, the NHL game. Actually, they will not be against the NHL. SmackDown will be against the, the NHL tonight, um, which will be moving Rampage to uh, 6.30 Eastern time. Uh, but Tony Khan also did a call with members of the media on Wednesday going head to head with us on, on, on Thursday. So really throwing down the gauntlet there, uh, to promote double or nothing. And we've isolated a couple of the clips. And first off, uh, let's start off with all out. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about where 
is all out going to take place this year, given that Chicago has the Forbidden Door card coming up next month at the United Center. Uh, so we will start off first uh, discussing Chicago as a market that has hosted all in slash all out going back to 2018 and why that market is so important to AEW. Chicago market. I was born in Illinois and it's a home to me. And I think it's also a home to AEW and great wrestling and some of the best fans in the world. And Forbidden Door will be at the United Center. And I think all out that that doesn't mean you wouldn't see all out around Chicago this year or any year, every year going forward. I think Chicago and, and the Chicago area are so important to AEW. It's in many ways where this whole grassroots movement, even before I got involved, before there was an AEW, where a lot of our stars who were with Ring of Honor at the time put together a great event all in. And now here we are approaching four years later from uh, the original all in and still the former Sears center. Now the now arena and, and what we have been able to create out there, it continues to grow. And I, I think that's something we'll have to keep in mind that the tradition of all out around Chicago is very, very important. So here's the lesson for all buildings out there. If you want an event to stay, you put that plaque at the side of that building and they'll be very, very loyal to you. Um, that, that is, uh, certainly something, but listen, Tony Khan is someone that I think is very much learned from history. And one of the, um, the key, uh, errors that people look back on with Jim Crockett promotions was how they had established the Greensboro Coliseum as the home for Starcade. And then there was the year they did it between Greensboro and Atlanta, but that was, the big show of the year at the Greensboro Coliseum. And then in 1987, they they moved it to Chicago. And it was a, a big mistake for them. They made less money going to Chicago. They broke the tradition. And I, I think Tony is very, uh, very aware of trying to create these traditions in different markets. At, at the same time, it, it's a market that they have run quite a lot at uh, as well. But it is it is a destination spot. It's an easy city to get to for many many uh, adjoining states and people traveling. Uh, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. that clip would certainly give you a pause of the idea of taking all out out of Chicago. He was hinting towards the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, it's another sort of, um, I guess, indication of just how much he perceives tradition to be important. I'm sure there are other factors too that we might not be considering, you know, like you're looking to run somewhere in the Northeast or somewhere accessible to the Northeast. Are there other places and venues that might be less cost prohibitive, more cost prohibitive than maybe a, a Chicago? Certainly running in Canada poses its own issues that we may not be aware of, um, you know, immediately yet. Um, oh, anytime you're going to a different country that that's adding, you know, re- like just more logistical problems when you're leaving the country versus something that, listen, it's not like you may see, you know, when, when they've returned to, for some TV in Chicago, like you've seen little dips, but for a big event, like all out, it's going to perform well in Chicago. It's Mm -hmm. not like the demand is not there. Um, but Way mentions Canada, and that's obviously a, a place that AEW wants to go to. And he was asked about the timeline of when they will be looking to go north of the border to Canada. We're expanding right now. We've, we've been back on tour for less than a year 
we were shut down for, you know, about a year and a half through the pandemic where their live event touring was shut down. And now we're back and we're servicing markets in the United States that we'd originally planned to go to back in 2020. And so Canada has been on our list for a long time and it's something we're definitely going to do um, in the near future. And uh, I don't have the exact date yet, but I'm really looking forward to bringing AEW to Canada. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it's something, as we've known, I think it's something that they're considering, but they don't have anything to announce yet. And I think this moves away maybe from some of the um, maybe uh, suspicion or, or at least, you know, a discussion that All Out will be an immediate show that they might be bringing up here. Um, maybe it won't be that. Maybe it'll be another sh- Maybe it'll be a dynamite. Maybe it'll be something else. Yeah, which to me, if I was going to say a... Maybe in Montreal. I, I, I don't even know if I would include that. I think the first time you come up here, it, it should be for, like, at, at minimum, like your live rampage and pay-per-view, especially Toronto, where you're going to get so many people coming up from upstate New York, over in Montreal, from Ottawa. You are going to get so much um, outside Toronto traffic for an, an event like that, that that will build a weekend around it versus a Wednesday night standalone that I think – I just think it's it's like limiting what the what the potential is in, in a market like this. I, no, I I mean obviously I don't disagree. There are enough people I think in Toronto alone I feel that would you know do do well enough. But again, not knowing what some of the taxing issues are, what the added cost of you know getting a whole roster is up here, is it worthwhile enough to do something like that versus running again in Chicago? Well, certainly, yeah. That that's what you have to gauge as well about to, like what the the additional people you could put into a venue up here and uh, versus and and also taking in in Canadian dollars when your expenses are in American dollars. That's always going to be an issue for American based companies. Uh, so there you go. Um, the the rest of the conference call, you know, he w- he was asked quite a lot of interesting questions on this show uh, as it pertains to. Uh, CM Punk and positioning him in, in the main event for this show. The fact that they have reached their first million dollar gate for double or nothing this coming Sunday. And, uh, also speaking about, uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, we won't play the, the whole clip here, but Brandon Thurston did ask him about Ring of Honor and the question of why Tony Khan purchased it himself versus it being an AEW acquisition. And he just said it really was presented by, uh, Tony that it was sort of, it was offered to him there on the spot, and he wanted to avoid a lot of the, uh, the I guess, the approval process or whatever process he had to go through. And the price and opportunity was right, and he wants the brand to stand on its own. And also added that the Supercard of Honor show did about 20 times higher than recent uh, ROH shows, calling it their biggest uh, buys in years for the brand. Yeah. Um, yeah, not that surprising. Um Again, I don't, I don't know if it's a whole lot of uh, new information, you know, as it relates to Ring of Honor. It just sounds like things are still in, in discussion. Um, and, you know, we look forward to actually hearing a bit of news whenever it occurs. And also noted that on his spring break in 2002, he made a road trip to attend WrestleMania at the Skydome. Oh, okay. Maybe wow. he was in your section way. Uh, I wonder. I wonder. Uh, you think he was cheering for the uh, Rock or Hogan that night? Um, uh, 
Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. It was it was a very it was a very pro Hogan crowd. I feel it was hard not to get swept up in Hulkamania that night. Yeah, I have to say. Yeah, maybe maybe present day Tony wouldn't be uh, cheering for Hulk Hogan, but 2002 mm-hmm. Tony maybe. Yeah. All right, uh, tonight we've got Friday Night SmackDown from North Little Rock, Arkansas, and what a card they have for you in Arkansas tonight. What are you looking forward to tonight, Way? Hmm. Uh, judging by the preview. Nothing. Two hours. That's what you're looking forward to. Two hours of content. I mean, at least as of a recording time here, they don't even have a preview out. So uh, somebody will will speak, I'm assuming. Um, somebody will respond, react, you know, whatever buzzword that they want to use. Yes. People will react. People will talk and we'll get some <laughs> matches uh, on SmackDown tonight. So uh, TikTok till 8 Eastern on Fox. Rampage live at 630 Eastern from the Michelob Ultra Arena. We have in the uh, presumed main event, the Owen Hart Cup match between Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho. The winner goes to the finals to take on Dr. Britt Baker. The Young Bucks will be in action against uh, To Be Determined. I'm sure whatever team is facing them, I'm sure it'll be an interesting match. Like whether they oh, go with yeah. like an outside team or, um, yeah, whoever it is, I like, I'm sure it'll be, wow, that's, that's a cool pairing. Whoever they, they do choose. It's possible or, or it could just be, you know, bear country or something like that. You know, it just could, just could very, very well be a showcase match if they're not advertising it. Scorpio Sky will receive a new TNT title from, uh, I guess, Tony Khan's uh, office of endless titles that he has uh, in storage. And then Matt Seidel versus Brian Danielson featuring William Regal on commentary as well. Very excited for that one. I mean, you know, two two guys who probably haven't met each other. Actually, I wonder if they wrestled in the WWE, but um, two guys whose careers have uh, actually kind of followed each other from company to company. So I look forward to that one a lot. The final note I want to uh, throw at you, Way, is that on today's uh, Talk is Jericho, uh, he mm-hmm. had the whole Jericho Appreciation Society to talk about the formation of the group and, more importantly, how they came up with the names for the the former 2.0. And Matt Lee, now Matt Menard, had the list of alternate names that he proposed before they reached Daddy Magic Matt Menard. So do you want to hear some of these? Uh, I would love to. Sounds okay, great. these were all pitched by one Matt Lee. <laughs> Summertime Matt Lee. The Hot Property Matt Lee. 99 Degrees Matt Lee. The Finest Cut. Prime Rib Matt Lee. Fine Wine Matt Lee. Hot to the Touch Matt Lee. The Genuine Article. $7 a Gallon Matt Lee. Hunk of Meat Matt Lee. And the best one, the Mississippi Mud Pie, Matt Lee. Wow. I, I guess I'm just amazed that Daddy Magic ended up be the, being the one that he chose. You know? Yes, he gives um, the whole origin of it, as does uh, Ange Parker, of how they arrived at Cool Hand Ange. Cool. Amazing. I love yes. it. Uh, to uh, One of the great introductions, I would say, of, of two sports entertainers. Uh, we have a couple super chats here, John, if you want to get to them before we get out of here. Let, let's hear from... Uh, as waiting summertime waiting will uh, read the super chats so jizzle sends in a super chat and wants to know was it wild not to ask tk about kota ibushi's new japan pro wrestling allegations in the media call yesterday uh sure i mean i i don't think you would have gotten anything out of tony khan but you certainly it was um a question that you could have asked about you know when you have this forbidden door show coming up and if plans have uh, been altered but i i 
I don't think you are getting getting any kind of response from Tony Khan. It seems like an issue relatively far removed from Tony Khan's jur- jurisdiction. I mean, we're talking about that this, at this point. New Japan themselves trying to get a handle of this situation. If I'm if I was to to bet on it, I would not expect Kota Ibushi as a part of that show right now. We don't know. I mean, he's not even healthy. I, so, I don't think there's there's any possible chance of him being uh, around uh, at all. That's not at all. So I, I mean, I, I would say it's it's largely like not a question that I think the the media considered relevant to Tony Khan at least at this time. Let's go to Parker who said who sends five dollars. Thank you very much for the support. And he says, John, I just saw your John Pollock meets the WWE Universe video. Will you recreate that with AEW fans when they come to Toronto? No, no, I will not. That was that was a one time thing uh, done years and years and years ago. I wonder how I old those kids are in that video. The, they might be AEW fans at this point. And, they could you know, be. Maybe that kid I gave the Observer to grew up and now, who knows? <laughs> Changed his life. Probably. Maybe he's working on Dark now. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, probably set the debut in the NXT breakout tournament coming up. That's right. All right. So there you go. Thanks for the Super Chats, folks. We're back tonight, 10 Eastern, postwrestlingcafe.com, where you get Rewind to SmackDown each Friday night. And to get you set, you can download Tuesday's Ask Away Mailbag Show. Always... uh insightful questions that we get from uh the ask away mailbag faithful each month on, i think the on questions the keep the, the questions keep getting better and better and I, th- I don't know if that's just people you know recognizing themselves what questions get the best answers out of us or uh maybe we're just better at answering the questions maybe we're just better people you know you know i i was out on on thursday night and uh with two people who just were raving about the post daily news show it's uh what really? a great addition. What a, it's so great. I'm like, Oh, you enjoy it. Um, cause this schedule is a killer. It's, uh, I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> These are also probably call uh, them by, out. Call them out. Uh, I, I won't, I won't by name. They know who they are. Okay. They, they might be a little biased in their, uh, in their, uh, opinions of us, but nonetheless, uh, positive feedback to the daily news show. Well, that's good. And, and again, if you guys have anything good or bad or critical to say about us or any of the topics today, please leave a comment on the YouTube channel. If you want to get these podcasts directly to your device, become a Post Wrestling Cafe patron along with uh, and you get, of course, all of our bonus coverage as well of all of our other shows, including Rewind to Smackdown tonight. That's right. And we'll be live Sunday right after Double or Nothing here on the channel. Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons will have the option to call in if they choose to do so. Uh, we're hoping to hear from some people that are attending the event on Sunday night. So get a, a wide range of opinions, both live and for viewers at home, of what's a very loaded pay-per-view. We will see if it grows by any additional matches, but we're up to 11, and it will probably be a late start for us on Sunday night. But looking forward to it. It should be a pretty packed edition of the show. So that is it. We're back for Rewind to SmackDown tonight, and that is it. 